In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, the Church takes a break, as it were, from these Lenten exercises to celebrate in the most solemn way possible the moment in which the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary to uh, invite her to be um, the mother of God, to say yes to the plan of salvation and to open her soul and her body to the presence of God in a way that went beyond the wildest imaginings of the most pious prophets to the possibility of what we celebrate today, the Incarnation. That in the one person of Jesus, there is a perfect harmony of all that is God and all that is human. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, took to himself fully and completely and perfectly in the womb of Mary, humanity. And as he drew it into the perfection of his divinity, that humanity didn't get warped, it didn't kind of fall apart, it didn't get burnt, it didn't become some third thing. It was truly the son of Mary. And by becoming truly the son of Mary in her womb, his divinity, the omnipotence, the eternity, the power, the goodness, was not in any way truncated or kind of put in parentheses or somehow ratcheted down in its, its reality. The fullness of God dwelt bodily in the man that people knew is Jesus from the town of Nazareth. And I emphasize this and I recall these points of faith so that this evening on this great solemnity of the Annunciation, we might have the audacity to pray in such a way that we enter into contact with that very incarnation, with that human body that is the perfect expression and reflection of the unseen God. That body that we believe is present before us a few meters distance in the Eucharist, in a miraculous way, under the appearance of bread. The very same person that Mary held in her arms, the very same man that the disciples heard preaching, the very same person whose hands touched and healed. And as I said in our prayer, in faith, we uh, want to have the audacity to using our imagination, but it's not, as I've said so many times, it's not a makey-uppy endeavor. It is uh, transcending the limitations of our own tiredness, our own uh, self-absorption, to transcend it, which means go beyond it 
and enter into real contact with the mystery of Jesus' constant presence. All the mysteries of his life in the eternal present of God are present to me. So that when I imagine them, I'm not simply praying, playing some sort of trick in my mind. I am actually entering into contact. And precisely on this feast where we celebrate and commemorate this mystery, this idea of entering into contact with the humanity of God, I thought it would be helpful to consider two scenes from the Gospel of Mark, to enter into them, to allow the words inspired by the Holy Spirit to uh, guide us to touch Jesus in faith. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. As we listen to these words, as we allow them to enter into us, Let's notice this desire of Jesus to take the blind man by himself, apart from the crowd. Perhaps with the, the refinement and the, the tenderness of not wanting to make of him a spectacle, as it were. To not make him exhibit A of his miracles, but treating him very much as a human, very much like someone who perhaps had suffered a lot during his life. It was not he couldn't come by himself. His, some people, Mark says, brought this blind man to him. Perhaps in many ways he had been wounded in his dignity because of that disability. So Jesus focuses all of his attention on this man, takes him aside, and holding him by the hand, leads him away. I mention the holding by the hand because that's where we need to try to get to in our prayer. Is your prayer ethereal? Is it a lot of thinking? Is it a lot of uh, consideration? Is it common enough for you to get to the point where you feel uh, Jesus' hand in yours? to be comfortable in that space. That that's the proper place to be when I pray. Because the end goal of prayer, as we've said so many times, but it's never any harm to remind ourselves, the end game of prayer is not uh, knowledge, but love. Motion of the will, of union. And so often love does not consist of uh, communicating information or facts. It, 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 it consists in that mutual indwelling, that shared presence, that being with. 
So for us to have as friends of Jesus, of, as children of the Father, the confidence that, yes, I can take him by the hand and be led. And then St. Mark, without giving any explanation, he just reports it. When he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him. Kind of shocking, jarring. Not maybe we would have first thought would have been the way of healing a blind man's eyes, saliva. But again, we're considering the mystery of the Incarnation. Everything in Jesus was his divinity. Almost as if Jesus was trying to underline, to highlight this reality. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to see? You need to have contact with me. What's inside of me, every, I need to, I, you need to be in communion with me. And perhaps as well, Jesus wants us to see, as it were, the ordinariness of his powerful presence in the world. Surely, if a non-Christian, if a pagan had made this story up, okay, let's imagine just for, for uh, theory's sake that the Gospels are made up to try to pull off a big scam and invent a new religion. Well, I can promise you that, the, because you, you can see by reading the hagiographic literature of the time the Gospels were written, no one would have ever written this. It would have been much more spectacular. It would have been lights, it would have been angels, it would have been Jesus floating in the air, it would have been your man falling on his face, it would have been rocks exploding, it would have been heavens opening. And Jesus just takes him aside and with saliva touches his eyes and puts his hands on him. What do you and I expect? Perhaps when we go to Mass and we hear familiar words, perhaps a not so exciting homily, when we go through gestures that we can do almost automatically because we've been doing them since we were little, doesn't feel very amazing. It looks even less spectacular. I mean, well, sometimes I'm not going to overdo it. Sometimes the liturgy can be wonderful and very moving. But sometimes it's not. But in that appearance of a white wafer is all of God's being, all of his power, his healing power, that is eager, if we are willing to let him come into our life. And he laid his hands on him. And here, the second event that I wanted to mention, I want to highlight this, this as well. But, and I suggest to you, and maybe you could take it for your own prayer during the week or at other times, to really try to imagine yourself into the position of this blind man as Jesus holds his head in his hands. 
By imagining yourself into it, I mean very literally feeling the warmth and the gentle pressure of Jesus' hands on either side of your head, holding, sustaining. That head that so often hums and buzzes with so many worries and concerns, that races and churns and makes our stomachs knot with its preoccupations and worries, that gets lost in labyrinths, that very head to get out of that labyrinth and pay attention to those hands, incarnate hands, not imaginary ones, but the hands of the man Jesus, who is God for you and for me. Hands that are very human and therefore very tender and warm, but hands that also hold all of creation in existence, that sustain the entire universe in its being. Every quark, every proton, every neutron star, every bird, every otter, every leaf of grass, every bit of it is because the man who possesses those hands wills it to be. And if I feel my head held by those hands, what peace should I not feel? Security. Because so often we know that when our head is humming and churning and buzzing, it's, uh, it's not an easy merry-go-round to get off of. And sometimes the more we struggle with it, the more we try to uh, come with other considerations or do other things, uh, the more difficult it is. But one of the ways that we can do it, and I think it's a helpful place to just be in our prayer, is to imagine ourselves held by those hands. And to just spend time there. to feel ourselves held. Jesus, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit so that these words of Scripture can become for us a path, a way forward, a way of understanding and relating to you. And then this curious thing happens, and again, Mark doesn't explain it, and I've spent some time sniffing around different biblical commentaries, I've read different authors, and I have to be very honest, I've never really found a convincing explanation of why it seems that this time the miracle doesn't work. Can you see anything? Jesus asks. And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. And it's kind of extraordinary. But without <coughs> any incredibly compelling ex explanation, it seems to me that perhaps it's just literally what Jesus does, that in this case and with this man, he wants the miracle to be experienced as a process, not as an instantaneous solution, something that happens and is done which, if we think about it, is actually kind of the characteristic way that grace acts. 
unless you have an incredibly unique experience. Normally, Jesus doesn't answer your prayer just like that. Lord, help me to have sight. Boom, everything's clear. I'm done. I'm sorted. And that's me. And that took five minutes. It's gradual. If I could put it in a certain way, faith is kind of messy. It doesn't neatly map on any sort of uh, kind of prefabricated chart of how we think things are going to play out. Jesus enters into our life. He guides us. He speaks to us. He tries to heal us. But we too might have this experience of, Lord, help me to see, help me to have greater conviction, help me to have a stronger faith. But it doesn't really sort of work. I see, but people like trees. I believe, but I still kind of don't believe. I want to, but there's still another part of me that doesn't want to. I'm halfway. And when we acknowledge and recognize that, that grace does actually act in this way, and when we, in humility, kind of accept its action like that in our own lives, maybe we can learn from this blind man, because what does he do? He keeps his head in Jesus' hands. He doesn't panic. He doesn't kind of step back and like, oh my God, everyone looks like trees. Ah, and he runs off and kind of for his friends and help me and let's go to an ophthalmologist or some sort of, you know. He doesn't get anxious. He doesn't get worried. He remains. And that beautiful phrase in John's gospel that Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. And for us to see that that remaining is a very active choice. I choose to remain in him actively. And what that looks like and feels like, for example, is constancy in prayer. Constancy means daily. Constancy means it's a rule of life. Constancy means that I privilege it over other things. That in order to say yes to God, I say no to other things. And if I am not willing to do that, I will never be free. I will be in the crowd looking at what Jesus does to the people who are willing to be held in his hands. And I'll be there thinking and scheming and kind of debating with myself. And should I or shouldn't I or I don't know. And that's where I'll be if I'm not willing to actively choose and to remain. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. In this life, we'll never see everything clearly. That happens in the next. But gradually we can see more. That the people who you work with and spend time with are not just people you are competing against or people that you compare yourself with but people who have been loved and called by God and therefore people that you can serve and give yourself to. You can see clearly in such a way that you actually are chosen and called and beloved, desired by God, to see that clearly, to experience it. And maybe you experience it and you see it because you have been loved by someone else, to experience that. 
an experience that we need to also be able to transmit to others so that they too might be able to see clearly. We have a few minutes left and I'd like to turn to just one other scene that's very similar to this one. But not with a blind man, but with a man who couldn't hear, couldn't speak. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Again, the taking aside, the leading by the hand. Jesus focusing all of his attention on people one by one. The hands, the strong, firm, gentle hands of Jesus holding him in his head, his fingers touching his ears, touching his tongue. And then, almost as if to express the way that Jesus suffers with him, he sighed. Jesus sighing, sighing not out of boredom or frustration, but out of all of his human and divine soul being directed towards this man. Be opened. Be able to hear. Be able to speak. This is what Jesus wants for you and for me in prayer. Be opened. We would do so well if we just spent time allowing those words to be directed to us without being humiliated or ashamed. That Jesus is really looking you in the eye. Because this man wasn't blind, you see. He could see. He could see as Jesus held his head in his hands. He could see Jesus looking into the very depths of his soul and saying, Ephaphtha, be open. Let's have the courage to put ourselves into that position. Before Jesus, him holding my head instead of me trying to hold it and control it and dictate it and allowing him to say, be opened. Listen. Speak. Speak in prayer. Listen to my word. Do not be uh, enclosed in a fortress of your own scheming and planning and controlling. Be open to me. Be open to the life that I am calling you to live, that surrounds you. And so many ordinary, beautiful daily events, and so many possibilities that if you had faith to see clearly, you would be able to discern and pursue. Be open. Isn't it the case that too many times we actually perceive our faith as telling us the opposite? Be closed. Stay away from your friends. Spend all the time in the church. 
um, have a little constricted life where you don't have fun and things are hard and you're kind of encorseted by all sorts of uh, kind of inhibitions and being closed. Jesus is telling us the exact opposite. Be opened. Mary perfectly understood this. When the angel Gabriel appeared to her, the solemnity that we celebrate today, and revealed to her God's design, what he was calling her to and inviting her to, Mary's response was to be completely open. Let it be done to me according to your word. I open myself to you. I hear and I speak and I see. And thus she became not just the mother of God, not just, (laughs) wrong word. She became not only the mother of God, but your mother and mine. A woman who more than any woman who has ever lived or will ever live has experienced life to the full. But she was open. She believed. Let's ask her to intercede for us that we might have that same openness, that openness in a spirit of prayer that brings us into the saving contact with the healing and powerful hands of Jesus. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.